Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody out there in podcast land or Blog Talk Radio land, wherever you happen to be listening to this podcast. Um, this is the podcast that I do that's uh, kind of more technical about home inspection uh, topics. If you are a home inspector and you want a more geared home inspection podcast about, I mean, for home inspectors, not home inspectors, I suggest uh, check out our other podcast, the Successful Home Inspector uh, podcast. Uh, if you Google it, or it's also the SuccessfulHomeInspector.com. But anyway, here we talk about uh, technical issues. So this is kind of for everybody, uh, whether you're a home inspector, home buyer, home seller, anything like that. And uh, hopefully there's topics that are useful, and hopefully I can bring you a little bit of value uh, for listening today. Today's topic is every house has something. And, uh, you know, actually I coined this phrase from a realtor when we were buying a house. Um, I've, I've sort of adopted it and kind of changed it. It was like every house we looked at, it was like he said, every house has a but. Yeah, we like the neighborhood, we like the thing, but, you know, the master's upstairs or something. We love this and that and that, but the yard's too small. Um, he's like, every house has a but. There is no perfect house. And I sort of adopted that phrase that every house has something. And what I mean by that is, you know, as we do home inspections, you know, there's certain years, certain building materials were used that uh, for whatever reason uh, they decided later uh, that building material was not safe or, you know, there were problems with it. And now, you know, it's part of our job to identify it. Fortunately, in most cases, such as uh, aluminum wiring and polybutylene piping, there's usually a workaround. And that's sort of my thing is every house has something. You tell me the year that the house was built, I can probably tell you some building material that was used at that time that we would be on the lookout for and, uh, you know, uh, alert you to it and possible workarounds if there are any. So let's start with, uh, so what are these problems that uh, every house has something? Well, if you go way back, uh, turn of the century, and thank goodness uh, this is, uh, hopefully there's no more of this. They used to use lead pipes. <laughs> that was really, really bad. Um, fortunately, I'm really, really hoping that's all been uh, obliterated. Uh, there's ads from the 1920s where they thought lead was good for your health and nothing could be further from the truth. Um, it leads to lead poisoning. Uh, there's actual um, archaeologists and uh, historians that think that some of the uh, Russian rulers that kind of went crazy um, – they think that part of it led from them drinking lead, uh, from lead uh, goblets or whatever. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I'm, I'm a bit of a history buff. But, uh, yeah, that is bad. Uh, there's really no workaround about that except you've got to repipe it with something other than lead. Lead is a terrible, terrible thing uh, to use for pipes. But moving along to more modern times, asbestos. Uh, asbestos was used for years and years, insulation uh, was used on siding. If you see these houses, it look like they have kind of ceramic tile on the siding, that's asbestos. Uh, it was used, um, it was used uh, insulation on pipes. If you see something that looks like the old cast that people would wear when they were, uh, um, uh, you know, got their arm broke or something, uh, and it's white, more than likely that's asbestos. 
Uh, they also used it as tape. If you see like this white tape uh, on the joints on some of the old metal um, uh, piping, that's usually asbestos. We'll use ceiling tiles. If you have ceiling tiles and they're nine by nine, uh, I would definitely get that checked out for asbestos. Um, also used in some flooring uh, tile. I don't have the specifics on that, um, but Google it. Um, and again, you know, if you had a house built today, you would not have asbestos used to that. It would be during, you know, anywhere from the 1920s probably up to the 1960s or so. I don't have the exact dates. Um, but the problem with asbestos was if it becomes friable. If, if asbestos, like, uh, starts to break down and the um, asbestos um, particles, little fibers getting the air and you breathe it in, uh, your, your your body can't metabolize it, and it uh, it lodges in in your lungs, and uh, uh, it, it just leads to all kinds of problems. Um, so asbestos is bad. Um, <laughs> asbestos was used a lot for insulation um, because the, the, again, I'm a history buff. The Greeks considered asbestos uh, the miracle fiber. Uh, asbestos actually means uh, non. Uh, it won't burn. It won't catch on fire. Um, so you got a product here that uh, you don't have to paint. Um, it has R value, insulation value, um, and it won't burn. In one sense, it's uh, the miracle fiber, except for that part about it killing you um, because your body can't metabolize it. So it's horrible if it becomes friable. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I, I don't think asbestos in my research was ever used as loose insulation. Um, but it was used in a lot of insulating um, materials. Now, what if you have asbestos? What do you do about it? Uh, there, there's a couple of different things. You can obviously have it removed. Um, that's going to be expensive, and you're going to have to have somebody who's a specialist to do that. But one of the fixes for it is, uh, and again, you're going to have to talk to a specialist, is encapsulated uh, where uh, or um, – Basically, you seal it up where it can't become friable or airborne. Friable is just a fancy word for airborne. So, again, asbestos uh, can be a problem, but it, it, there's a workaround for asbestos. Um, oh, also, it's used for roofing tiles. If you see those roofing tiles, they're kind of diamond-shaped, look like Hansel, Hansel and Gretel homes. Good chance those are asbestos. They used to be one off Sharon Amity over here in Charlotte for years and years. I drive by it. Every day when I used to live over that way, and I was like, I think that's asbestos. I think it's asbestos. I never did inspect that house. You know, I could just see it from the road. But there is a working around for it. So let's move on to like the 1960, mid-60s, late 60s, early 70s. Also coincides with the time of the Vietnam War. And during the time of the Vietnam War, copper got very, very expensive. So the so when copper got expensive – they started using aluminum wiring um, for the 120s, which is the single-strand aluminum wiring. This was a problem um, because aluminum is very malleable, um, and it would wherever it connected to the outlets or at the box, over time it could move. And if it moved and there was a gap, you you, you got a potential for a spark there. And the idea if, if you to give you an idea of what I mean, have you ever used jumper cables on a car and when you connect that last wire, as soon as you get close to it, it wants to jump um, and it'll create a spark? Well, that's what happens if the wire starts expanding, contracting, 
it becomes malleable, and then you're going to have a spark. So it was a fire hazard on the single strand, not the multi-strand. The multi-strand aluminum wiring is still used today, um, but it was the single strand used through the mid-late 60s, early 70s that coincided with the Vietnam War. Again, there's a workaround for this. Um, there's three different ways um, that, uh, and you can look this up. I don't have enough time on this podcast to go into them, uh, but most of them have to do with there's a compiler method. There's two other methods. Basically, with addressing those uh, wires where they connect at the box and at the outlets, uh, there's a method of pigtailing, a couple other things like that. So you're taking out that ability of them to expand and, and contract and, and create separation, which could create a spark. Um, but look them up. If you have aluminum wiring, of course, you could rewire the whole house, but that would be really expensive and probably not necessary. Um, but you would need to address all that, wherever it connects, at the outlets and at the box, anywhere like that. Um, so there is a workaround for aluminum wiring. Again, you know, if you're buying a house built in the 2000s, it's, it's not going to have single-strand aluminum wiring. Only if you're buying a house, you know, 1968, 69, you know, it, it falls within that time period that I was talking about. Moving along, the 1980s and uh, early 90s to mid-90s, polybutylene-type piping. Again, copper is very expensive. Uh, use copper piping forever, which is a great piping material. Everything wears out, you know, but it, it's rather expensive. Um, so they came up with polybutylene. Whenever you have it poly in the word, uh, that's basically a plastic or a, a poly, uh, a petroleum-type product, which is plastic. Um, there were two problems with polybutylene. The first problem, the first-generation polybutylene, had aluminum connectors and polybutylene, uh, I'm sorry, uh, polybutylene connectors and tees, like elbows and tees, and aluminum connectors. I'm sorry, I all tied up on my tongue there. But those were not good. They would just pop and the water would just flow out, so they, they were bad. Um, second generation had copper elbows and tees, which was much better, but then there was a problem with uh, the city water. Uh, city water being chlorinated would make the pipes brittle. Um, the workaround for this is to get yourself a cyst, make sure you have second generation. If you have first generation, you probably don't have to do some replumbing. Um, and there's a lawsuit out there. I don't know if there's any money left on that. But um, but if you have second generation, check it for any leaks. Check, you know, all the connections. Check the pipes and put in a system that takes out some of the chlorine um, of the water before it runs through the pipes. Um it, synthetic stucco in the 80s, uh, the problem with this was it didn't breathe. Um, when you covered a house with synthetic stucco, it was basically like, you know, building a house inside an igloo cooler or a cooler. Uh, and, you know, so what happens with the cooler, if water gets trapped inside, it can never get out um, unless you take it out. So that was the problem. Synthetic stucco, uh, if water never got in there, it wasn't a problem. But if water ever got inside the synthetic stucco, it just couldn't breathe. Um, really, synthetic stucco is a, for a whole house is not a good product. Um, they use it today on windows and doors and trim pieces, but the main part of stucco houses today is hard coat stucco, which can breathe. Brings me to my last one. I'm starting to run out of time. I only have 15 minutes on these. Uh, CSST, which is the uh, corrugated stainless steel um, pipes that was used. Uh, I don't have the exact dates, but uh, they still use it today. 
Um, but for years in the uh, 80s and 90s, um, when they installed it, if they didn't bond it or uh, ground it, uh, what would happen is if, you know, a surge of electricity went through the pipes, lightning hit or something like that, it could create a hole which you're going to have, you know, a, a gas leak spurting out, uh, which is really bad. So if you have CSST, you need to make sure that it's bonded. A lot of times you have this um, where you connect to the furnace or the water heater because they need the flexible. I'm honestly not a big fan of CSST. Um, I just don't like that thin metal um, carrying uh, gas because gas can be so, so dangerous. But uh, my point of all this was no matter when your house was built, there's something um, that's used, some building material, and there's others I you know, didn't even touch on, but I guarantee you there's something uh, that later on they decided, you know, that, uh, I don't know if decided is the right word, proven or whatever, that that building material was either unsafe or unfit or, you know, there were problems with it. And most of them, like um, aluminum, some polybutylene, things like that, there's a workaround for it. So just do your research. Um, if you run across any of these things, uh, there's a lot of stuff out there. And uh, feel free to contact us, um, homeinspectioncarolina.com. You can uh, send us a message. I'll try my best to answer it. If I don't know the answer, I'll try to put you in touch with somebody who does. And I uh, hope that was helpful. Uh, every house has something. Every house has a but. <laughs> we love the house, but the yard's too small, or a but. Um, but hopefully you can work around some of these things. Well, I want to uh, take a little time and say thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to the podcast today and hope you got a little value out of it. Uh, if you did, if you get a second, it'd be great. I'd mean the world to me if you'd give us a, 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 a ranking there. Um, and again, thank you for your time, and we'll see you on the next podcast.